the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. As we get underway now at 8 minutes past 9 o'clock on this Thursday, the fourth morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Got some good news, bad news for you this morning. Bad news, just one terrific guest on the program compared to our normal three terrific guests on the program. Good news, more time for your commentary, questions, thoughts, uh, ideas, uh, conspiracy theories, takes, whatever you want to call them. I don't care. Uh, you can play a big part in today's show, and I hope you will. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will bring you right here, and we'll get you up and on the radio. Our guest is our favorite guest on Thursdays. He is, of course, our regular Thursday commentator in the Culture Wars, Dr. Everett Piper. Will be joining us at uh, at ten ten. He's got a lot of things to discuss uh, that are on his plate, including his column in the Washington Times, explaining why he's a candidate for county commissioner in his uh, native Oklahoma. We're going to talk about that and why he's not running for Congress or something a little bit higher. He's got a good reason, and uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what it takes to run. 
uh, particularly for higher office as well. So Dr. Piper will be joining us to talk about those things and more at 1010. Uh, and as I say, before that and after that is uh, you at 216-901-0945. I'd like to wish you well this morning and uh, to to the extent that, uh, and this is paraphrasing somebody else, I can't remember who originated the statement, I think a number of people have stated it in various forms, so I think we're probably okay, but uh, I wish you well in finding someone who loves you as much as the left loves to kill babies. Because you are going to be loved beyond your wildest imaginations. If you can find somebody who loves you that much, as much as the left loves to kill babies, you are going to have a glorious, glorious, wonderful life. Because, boy, the left loves killing babies. They're passionate about it. It drives their it drives their every action, their every thought, it would appear, every single day. The left just loves killing preborn babies, declaring that they don't exist, that they're not really babies, that those arms and legs and livers and lungs and brains and everything else that they have to tear apart in utero to get them out of there are just play toys. They're just they're just cell clumps. They're just anything but a but a viable, um, growing, developing human baby. Uh, they they just love they just love tearing them apart. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is about to sign an executive order forcing you as a taxpayer, to fund travel to kill babies. He's really, really, really angry and really, really upset that the Supreme Court took away the opportunity for people to kill babies with impunity, allowing states to actually decide for themselves, nah, we're not as much into the baby-killing machine, the baby-killing industry, as some other people are. So no, in our state, we're going to say, yeah, we're, we're some serious restrictions to that. If not outright bans that, it makes Joe Biden very upset. It makes him very angry. A man who wants you to believe that he's a practicing Catholic is so angry with those states that would dare limit um, abortion on demand. This is a man who says he's a practicing Catholic who once said that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare now says abortion on demand and without apology. Just like all of the vagina hat wearers who used to wear vagina hats when they acknowledged that women were the ones with vaginas, um, just like they scream about the right to kill babies without apology and on demand, Joe Biden has joined them. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about the vagina hats, I'm not being facetious here and I'm not trying to be... Uh, controversial. This is what they what they wear to their women's march, in which they protest for the right to kill their babies on demand and without apology. Well, Joe Biden is going to march right along with them. Joe Biden signed an executive order yesterday that will allow Medicaid funds to be used to fil- facilitate travel for women seeking abortions outside of their state, if it is indeed limited, restricted, or illegal in their state. Now, in case you do not know, Medicaid is a federal program that provides medical services and medical coverage, health insurance coverage, to people who are below the poverty line or people who reach uh, certain income levels. Medicaid, as you can imagine, as, as being such a program, is funded by 
your tax dollars and mine, which makes this a full-on violation of the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits the federal financing of abortion. This executive order, now, again, when since when has a leftist president ever met um, an executive order that they didn't think should supersede federal law? That even if they know they can't do it, they're going to do it anyway until somebody challenges it in court, and then... Even if they are told they have to stop doing it, they will have had a whole lot of damage already done. Or in their belief, a whole lot of great things done, a whole lot of dead babies. They can pile them up for as long as the court case is being heard. Barack Obama did this with illegal immigration. And Joe Biden is doing it now. Basically saying, yeah, I can't do that. I don't have the authority to give an executive order like this, particularly if it violates federal law and the Hyde Amendment does indeed prohibit the federal financing of abortion. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to pay for people to travel from one state to another to kill their babies, and I'm going to use taxpayer dollars to do it. And then eventually somebody's going to sue me, and the federal government and the courts are going to say, yeah, you can't do that, but too bad, we'll have already done it, and I'll be super popular among the baby-killing crowd. This order will assist the acquisition of, quote, reproductive health care, as they like to call it, for women who... Oh, women. Who? What? What did you say, Joe Biden? You phobe. You must be some kind of a phobe. Transphobe, homophobe, do, uh, 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 biphobe, non-binary phobe, whatever you are. How dare you say just women? How about that? That just occurred to me as I prepped this. It didn't even re, it didn't even occur to me, but this executive order provides reproductive health care for women who live in states where abortions are banned. You would almost think, as you read that and hear that, you would almost think that Joe Biden doesn't think men can get pregnant, right? I mean, what is this guy thinking? What is this guy doing? Does he not know the new science? Biden said at the first meeting of the Interagency Task Force on Reproductive Health Care Access on Wednesday, he claimed it also advances research and data collection to evaluate the impact of this reproductive health crisis on maternal health and will protect access to contraception. The Hyde Amendment, again, prohibits federal funding from going toward abortion, except if it's in the case of rape or incest or when the health or life of the mother is at risk. And that's where the Hyde Amendment falls short, of course, because you leave that word health in there, and it opens it up to a whole wide variety of exceptions. A mother's health, physical health, doesn't have to be in jeopardy, but she can claim, I'm just not ready to have this baby. My mental health is in jeopardy. Kill the kid, please. And they'd say, oh, okay, well, in that case, well, then your health is at risk. We'll kill the kid. Life of the mother is a different story, of course. When asked whether Biden's directive flouts the restriction established by the Hyde Amendment, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said that the order will cover... Did you? Did I mention that she's black and gay? Yeah, Karine Jean-Pierre is black and gay. I don't really care about that, but the White House did enough to tell you that as soon as she was hired that she's the first black and gay press secretary in American history, so it matters. So she's black and gay. And good for her. She she smashed a couple of glass ceilings there at the press secretary's office. She said the order will cover care that is otherwise part of Medicaid, including abortion care in certain circumstances, as accepted by the Hyde Amendment. 
She also said the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade was unconstitutional. I'll have more on that later. This brilliant constitutional scholar says that the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade was an unconstitutional action, which is simply uh, hilarious because, of course, the June ruling on Dobbs determined what we already knew before Roe, and that is that there is no right to abortion ever mentioned in the Constitution. But at any rate, the White House says, no, the order doesn't violate the Hyde Amendment. The travel provision is, is sure to be challenged in court. It means it won't, won't take effect for some time. As a result of the fallout between the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe, many women are being refused prescriptions for other conditions, such as epilepsy, because the medicine could cause a miscarriage, Biden claims, uh, saying that this order will help address that issue. He is, of course, lying and doing everything that he can to try to rally his base to get behind him, a base that has already abandoned him, as more and more elected Democrats go on national television interviews and refuse to declare they will support his run for re-election. They refuse to say they will support his run, and in fact, a couple of them have said, no, I will not support his run, we need new blood in 2024. Biden is trying desperately to save his job by reaching out to a base that has abandoned him, a far-left base that has abandoned a far-left president because that far-left president is just far too gone, far too mentally incompetent, far too cognitively impaired, and he's trying everything he can do. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We'll violate the Hyde Amendment. We'll let people travel on taxpayer dimes to go kill their babies because it's important to them. Remember, nothing is more important to the left than the ability to kill babies at their will, upon their whims. That is the reality of the situation. Abortion advocates have claimed pro-life laws will make it more difficult or impossible for women experiencing an ectopic pregnancy or a miscarriage to receive treatment. That is also a lie, a red herring. A falsehood, a myth that has been debunked and disproven by countless numbers of medical professionals over the course of the last month since Roe. And yet they continue to use this as a reason to violate Hyde, as a reason to use taxpayers to kill babies, and more. This is a very, very deeply deranged presidential administration. It is a very deeply deranged Democrat Party. It's sad. More than anything else, it's sad. I truly believe. I would like you to say I'm outraged and I'm angry, and I am. But I really, really find it sad that a party could could fall this far, and 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 be res, you know be forced to resort to in order to try to advance their cause and their radical, wild, anti-American, pro-globalist agenda, to be forced to be as outward and brazen about being uh, uh, willing and and desirable to kill babies at any stage of pregnancy without apology and without explanation. It is just a remarkable and yet sad thing to see. I truly am um, I'm troubled by it. I welcome your thoughts at 216-901-0945, 888 It's 921. Let's do the Pledge of Allegiance before we take our first break. Patriots! Please stand and face your flag. If you do not have a flag, that is all right. I know you can close your eyes and imagine one, but put your hand on your heart. Drivers, you, of course, 
are exempted from the request to stand. It's hard to keep your foot on the gas or brake if you are indeed driving and trying to stand at the same time. So you can stay seated, but just put your hand on your heart and join us for our pledge. If you are a believer in any of the things that Joe Biden is alleging in this uh, executive order of his, well, then you have no earthly idea what liberty is. You have no earthly idea what the Constitution is about, and therefore you are exempted from the request to pledge your allegiance to this flag. You may take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback and your favorite ex-female soccer star. For the rest of us, and for some reason we're not able to play it, can you give us our pledge? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, thanks very much. It's 922. I welcome your phone calls. We are guest-free until Dr. Piper at 1010 this morning. So let's make this first hour count together on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. The answer. Nine twenty-five. So there's um, there, there's a picture that I have posted right now on the webpage at alwayswrite.us that I had to share, and I want to steer you to so that you can see it and share it with with others. This is a picture of President Joe Biden on the telephone in his Oval Office. Um. He or maybe it's the Oval Office. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not the Oval Office because he's still quarantined due to his what do they call it? A rebound infection of COVID. This is from the official POTUS Twitter feed, so this is not fake, and it is it literally is from President Biden at POTUS, U.S. government official, and his caption for his own photo as he sits at his desk on the telephone is quote, "This morning I held a secure phone call with my national security team." We discussed a wide range of priorities, including the United States' support of a free and open Indo-Pacific and our continued support for Ukraine in response to Putin's war. The caption itself is largely irrelevant. What is relevant is the picture. Joe Biden is alone in his office, on the phone, not speaking face-to-face with persons about these issues, persons on his national security team, but on the phone. He's sitting there on the phone wearing a mask. The President of the United States and the leader of the free world believes that COVID germs can be spread through his telephone, through the phone lines, and come out the other end infecting his national security team. This is the President of our United States of America sitting alone in his office on the phone wearing a mask. So either he truly believes COVID germs can be spread through telephones, or he is at the height of virtue signaling, posing for a photograph, posing in his office like he's doing his job, and showing everybody how important it is to continue to wear your masks. I guarantee you I know how Joe Biden got to work yesterday. Always Right presents Real American Heroes. Real American Heroes. Today, we salute you, Mr. Driving Alone with a Mask Guy. Mr. Driving Alone with a Mask Guy. Real Heroes, don't you?
on their way to work. Baby, you can't beat, you can't The science may show that your tiny paper mask doesn't work worth a flip, but that doesn't stop you from strapping it on day after day, week after week. Don't you know in a worldwide pandemic? Besides, the world needs to know just how woke you are. Even if your common sense is passed out on the back seat like an old drunken sailor. As long as he's got his mask on, yeah. So here's to you, Mr. Driving Alone with a Mask Guy. You may indeed suffocate in your own CO2, but at least you won't get COVID right up until you do. Brought to you by Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. He's uh, he's the living, walking embodiment of every meme, bit, parody, spoof that has ever been written. He is, and he is still leading the free world. Uh, as much as one can, can say what he is doing is leading the free world. Uh, I'm going to squeeze in a phone call here from Phil in University Heights. Uh, we don't have time. We do not have time. All right, we're going to get news first, then we'll come back and we'll take phone calls. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Always radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 936, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. If you haven't checked that picture out yet, it's real. It's right from the uh, Biden Twitter feed. Uh, You should check it out. There's Joe Biden sitting on a phone with a mask on, protecting people on the other end of that phone from getting his positive COVID germs. I wish I was making this stuff up. I'm not. By the way, also on the page uh, on alwayswrite.us, yesterday's interview with Jack Barsky, former KGB operative, if you missed that, uh, that is up there for your consideration to listen to. Not now. You're listening to live radio now. Don't listen to that now. Listen to it after the show is over when you have a little bit more time on your hands. Phone lines are open at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I said I would get there, so let me just get there real super quick before I go to those phone calls. <clears throat> Kareem Jean-Pierre. The White House press secretary, the mouthpiece for the president of the United States, who's black and gay. Did I mention that she's black and gay? You need to know that she's black and gay. They made sure we knew it right from the very start. Um, she's also interminably stupid. From day one, when uh, when the Supreme Court made this extreme decision uh, to take away a, a constitutional right, uh, it was an unconstitutional, unconstitutional action by them, a right that was around for almost 50 years, a right that women had to make a decision on their bodies and how they want to start their families from day one. <laughs> Each each moment tops the last with this woman. I mean, each... I swear to you, she has a secret side bet going with Kamala Harris. I swear to you. I, I, they have to. There's no way they could one-up one another with the dumbest thing to be said publicly on behalf of the administration accidentally. This, this cannot be an accident. That literally every day one of them will say something dumber than the other one will. I mean, not that there still isn't stupidity coming from Pete Booty Judge, and not that there isn't still stupidity coming from Brandon himself, but these two seem to have made it a personal contest. This 
press secretary for the President of the United States just declared that there was a constitutional right for women to have abortions. She literally just said that the Supreme Court made an unconstitutional act. Does she have any idea how the government works? Does she have any idea what the job of the Supreme Court is? The Supreme Court, whose job it is to determine the constitutionality of legislation. She said it was an unconstitutional act because there was a constitutional right to abortion. Somebody needs to walk up to her and, and, and hand her the Constitution, a little pocket copy if you carry one, and say, please turn to the page where killing your baby before it's born is a right granted by the Founding Fathers in the Constitution. David Marcus, I think, had, uh, he's a columnist, had probably the, uh, the best response to this. After well over a decade of wokeness in our universities, we now have a generation of intelligent, well-educated progressives who have never had their holy views challenged. And boy, does it show. And it's so true. All of their leftist group think that they were spoon-fed by their professors and that they dutifully regurgitated for good grades never having any of it challenged, never having any of it questioned, has now manifested itself in people like Corinne Jean-Pierre. I mean, they, they think they know what they're talking about, they speak confidently with authority, and they have no earthly idea, because no one has ever bothered to tell them the truth. Tim Young had a great one, too. You Tell me you don't understand what the Supreme Court does without saying you don't understand what the Supreme Court does. Corrine Jean-Pierre's reply, of course, is to tell everybody she doesn't know what the Supreme Court does by declaring <laughs> that the uh, Dobbs decision was unconstitutional and the Supreme Court uh, took away a constitutional right that never, ever existed. It's a remarkable thing. This is our leadership, my friends. This is our leadership. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Navy man Norm is in Strongsville. Hey, Norm, good morning. Good to have you. What's on your mind? Good morning, Bob. I just want to talk about uh, the wonderful uh, Lyle Wapa Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, who's demanding that pro-life pregnancy and crisis centers around the country be investigated be investigated because they're fooling the people into believing that these people are uh, using their money to take care of the mothers and the unborn children and also the fathers. These are the same people who run abortuaries 24 by 7, 365 days a year on federal money, and they're going to question pregnancy centers and crisis centers that get private donations from people like you and me. So, I mean, this is this is where we are at today in this dystopian world, you know, where love is hate and hate is love. And then, of course, lest we forget our crack FBI and Department of Justice that has failed in the last two and a half months to arrest a single person in firebombing attacks on crisis and pregnancy centers Catholic churches, spray painting by these ghouls from Jane's Revenge. Now, Jane's Revenge has a website, and there are people behind Jane's Revenge 
but yet the FBI just can't seem to, they just can't seem to find a single perpetrator. Isn't that special? Well, All under the auspices of Brandon. Yeah, and um, I'll take that a step further, too, Norman. Thank you, my friend, for the call, as always. Um, not only have they not prosecuted anybody for firebombing churches and, and pregnancy centers and, and so forth, um, they haven't arrested a single individual who has been violating uh, 18 U.S. Code 1507, which expressly prohibits people from protesting outside the homes of judges or outside the homes of witnesses or outside the homes of attorneys in order to try to intimidate and to harass uh, uh, these individuals into making a decision that would that they would approve of. It's federal crime. And not one of those individuals that have been out there day after day after day after day outside of the Supreme Court Justice's homes has been arrested. Ted Cruz tried to get to get some answers to that uh, yesterday in this Senate hearing with the assistant, or excuse me, the um, uh, uh, yeah, assistant attorney general. The assistant attorney general talking about the Justice Department's inaction in prosecuting protesters under 18 U.S. Code 1507. Ted Cruz had a field day with this. Let me ask you a different question. Yes, Senator. Simultaneously, while violent terrorists are threatening pregnancy centers, we also have had protesters at the homes of Supreme Court justices night after night after night. Now, I believe protesting at someone's home where your spouse sleeps, where your children sleeps, is inherently threatening. It is designed to be threatening. And we know the violent rhetoric with the encouragement of Democratic members of Congress resulted in at least one deranged individual traveling from California to Maryland to attempt to murder Justice Kavanaugh. Now, as it so happens, Congress has addressed this issue. It's passed 18 U.S.C. Section 1507, making it a crime to protest at the home of a Supreme Court justice while a case is pending. Night after night after night, these protesters committed federal crimes on national television. Why has the Department of Justice refused to enforce 18 U.S.C. Section 1507? Senator, very recently, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Maryland, in fact, has prosecuted a defendant for unlawful conduct in front of the home of one of our Supreme Court justices. So one person? To date, uh, there has been one prosecution. And what about the hundreds of others? Uh, All of whom have violated the law on the face of it. It's not complicated. The law is very clear. Why does the Department of Justice pick and choose which laws to enforce, which criminal laws to enforce, and why does it seem to exactly follow the pattern of the partisan preferences of the Biden White House? Uh, Again, Senator, politics should play and does not play any role in our prosecutorial decisions. What I will also add is that our attorney general has increased the U.S. Marshal Service's resources. But why has there been only one prosecution under Section 15? I'm going to pause that there to to just to underscore what the assistant attorney general, uh, Kenneth Polite, said here. The Attorney General has ramped up the martial protection of the justices so that if somebody takes a shot at them, they'll probably get shot back at by the marshals. That's his answer to the question. Why have you not prosecuted protesters who are harassing and trying to intimidate Supreme Court justices outside of their homes? His answer is, 
Um, well, we, we prosecuted one. And by the way, that isn't even the truth. I'll tell you, I'll let Ted Cruz ferret that out in a moment. But his answer is, well, you know, what we did is we, uh, we ramped up the security. That's not the answer to the question. The question is, why aren't you arresting people so that nobody else will go and do this and you don't have to ramp up the security? Follow the law. U.S. Code, 18 U.S. Code 1507 is the law that says you can't do it, and hundreds of them are doing it, and you won't prosecute them. And the reason why, as Joe Biden and Corrine Jean-Pierre and others have said, is people are upset. People are upset, and they have a right to protest. Jen Psaki, before Corrine Jean-Pierre took over, Jen Psaki agreed and said the people have a right to protest. So wait a minute. They have a right to protest, yeah, but not to violate U.S. law while doing so. And they said, we encourage them to peacefully protest. Again, encouraged was the word used, to peacefully protest outside of the homes of justices in violation of U.S. law. And he said, well, we're giving them more marshals. That was his answer. You know, seven. why have there not been any others? Senator, does the department believe the law is unconstitutional? And if not, why are you refusing to enforce it? Respectfully, Senator, I disagree that we've chosen not to enforce it. Again, there's been one prosecution of a out defendant. of hundreds. What about the, the rest of the hundreds? Senator, again, I cannot comment on the, the current uh, status of potential investigations in this area. Final question. Was the one prosecution you referenced a 1507 prosecution or was it something else? I don't believe it was under that statute. So you have <laughs> There it is. I mean, Ted Cruz has this assistant prosecutor working for a corrupt attorney general named Merrick Garland in the most corrupt and weaponized Department of Justice maybe in the history of the United States of America. He's got him dead to rights on why they're not prosecuting. He said, well, there's one that's being prosecuted. There's there's one. And and he stuck with that throughout the, the, the conversation until Cruz said at the end, is that one who was arrested? Is he being prosecuted under 1507? And the assistant... Uh, um, U.S. prosecutor, the assistant attorney general said, no. So in other words, the answer is zero. Zero. Yet he also said a moment ago, I disagree with your characterization that we are not prosecuting those who are breaking the law. But now he is admitting there are zero prosecutions of individuals breaking that law. We are being led by a criminal organization. The Brandon administration is a criminal syndicate. And, and the Department of Justice is a willing accomplice. The FBI, the Attorney General, the Assistant Attorney General, literally, they are acknowledging, no, we're not prosecuting these things. But I, but I disagree with your characterization that we're not prosecuting these things. I haven't brought a single one. Again, the, I believe the conduct itself was the focus of the prosecution. That well, you're I think you need to follow the law. Follow the law. What's that? I mean, all we are is the Department of Justice. Why would we engage in something like following the law? I mean, what are you, crazy? Uh, Jim in West Park. Hi, Jim. Go ahead. Yesterday, I, I mentioned a book that you gave the okie doke mm-hmm. um, Doc Corsi book. Yes. Today, suppression, depression, snobbery, and bias by the press so much wrong and just doesn't care by Ari Fletcher. Sorry, I got a... Ari, Ari Fleischer? Ari Fleischer? Yes. Okay. Now, 
he said it's it's just not the rhinos. It's just not the Democrat Party that wanted Orange Man Bad gone. He said it's the world leaders. Now, Biden just opened up our oil reserves, which was pretty nice crude, to Belgium, India, China. And uh, another thing I, I, I wanted you to mention was that the taxpayer money, the taxpayers pay $50 per registered voter, and there was only 6 or 7% voting. So those are two, um, uh, two, two topics that I want you to cover. Okay, thank, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. I do want to try to stay, you know, unless we're doing free-for-all, uh, free-for-all Friday. I do kind of want to stay on the topics that we are on right now. But uh, out of courtesy, uh, I, will, I will, particularly to the last one. Uh, and and I've not read the Fleischer book, by the way, the Ari Fleischer book that you are talking about, uh, as far as you know, giving giveaways and so on and so forth. I have said that it is criminal uh, for the Brandon administration to be dipping into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, otherwise known as our savings account. It's our savings account or our retirement account, if you will, that we are supposed to dip into only when we are in that emergency, when the time comes when we have no other source of energy. We have the Strategic Petroleum Reserves. It is unthinkable, unconscionable, and indefensible to sell those reserves to foreign countries, which, by the way, are going to burn them and thus contribute to the climate change that you are claiming is putting us all in jeopardy. It makes no sense whatsoever. So th- that's that part. Uh, to the se- Oh, doggone it, now I lost the second part. What was the second question that, uh, that Jim just asked you wanted me to comment on? I'll probably have to take a time out here. It's 9.52 anyway and go back and listen to it again. I get uh, I get a little ADHD from time to time. But I'll answer your second question for you, Jim. And we'll go right back to the calls, too, right after this on Always uh, Right Radio. Okay, 9.56. Yeah, the last thing uh, Jim asked about was about the t- low turnout yesterday and what it cost. You know, it's there's... There's no blame here to be found other than with the Supreme Court, the Ohio Supreme Court. Uh, Jim asked, and we talked about this yesterday, so I don't want to rehash it all, but but the, the reason there was such a low turnout on Tuesday night, 8% was the total, by the way, from what we uh, we were told, or what has been reported, 8% turnout. 92% of Ohio voters did not bother to come out for the second round of primaries. And this was predictable. It was predictable because, quite honestly, you have to you have to find time in your day to vote. Obviously, um, and if you know there's a big election coming up, you kind of carve that out. You kind of do, or you vote early. A lot of people go right to the board of elections and, and vote early, uh, and and you you make it a point because you know there are some very important things on the on the ballot. And on May third, when we were voting for the governor primary, gubernatorial primary, the Senate primaries, and so forth, those were big deals to people. And and even then, we didn't have a great turnout. But when they had to split the primaries into two, and they have one on May third, and then one on August second, because of what the Ohio Supreme Court did, um, it, it was bound to be a failure. It was bound to be a disaster. It was bound to be a case where people are like, I just voted. Do I want to go up there again and go through this again? Do I have time in the day? Can I do it during lunch? Can I do it after work? Can I get out of work? Polls close at 730. I think I'll eat first. And, no, I never made it up there. 
I that is the fault not of the people. And you talk about the fifty dollars per vote that it cost, and that's because it cost roughly thirty million dollars to hold a second primary. Uh, and that is not the fault of any of the candidates for the state house, for the uh, Ohio Senate, for the central committees, or anything else. That lies completely with Maureen O'Connor, Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court. They were given five different maps, all of which were constitutional, all of which uh, were within the bounds of the majority party drawing the majority of the lines, and uh, and but yet again providing opportunity for the minority party to be heard and to have uh, opportunities for victories. They were all within the bounds of the Ohio Constitution, and left wing. Republican Maureen O'Connor wasn't having it. Four of them, I believe it was four different times she rejected it. By the time uh, we got to one that would be acceptable, it was too late. We had to have the, the May primary. So they, so they pushed the Ohio races off until August. It's her fault it cost $50 a vote and only 8% turnout. It's the Ohio Supreme Court's fault. The redistricting commission did its job. Uh, the candidates all did their job. This lies solely in the Ohio Supreme, Supreme Court, Jim. So if we're looking for the bad guy to blame there, that's who it is. Quick time out for news. We'll come back to Dr. Everett Piper will join us. Culture War continues. Always right radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Do the next thing that you feel. We were so in place. In a dance hall dance. We were cool on Christ. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now on this Thursday. Seven minutes after 10 o'clock. It is the fourth morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. May you find someone who loves you as much as the left loves killing babies. That is, uh, that is what I'm going to continue to repeat. That is a very, very strong, strong statement. Uh, it is horrific to think about, but it is the reality of the situation. If you find someone who loves you as much as the left loves tearing apart babies, then uh, you are going to be in for a wonderful, wonderful life. The left really loves killing babies. I said that at the top of the show. I'm going to say it again now at the top of the second hour because of Joe Biden's uh, pronouncement yesterday by way of executive order that he's just going to violate federal law, violate the Hyde Amendment, go ahead and uh, allow federal tax dollars to be used to kill babies. That is exactly what he did with that executive order, uh, paying for Medicaid coverage of um, trips to other states for women to be able to kill their babies if they can't do it efficiently in the state in which they reside. We'll talk more about that now with our uh, guest. Dr. Everett Piper fights the culture war with us each and every week. Dr. Piper is a best-selling author. He is a weekly weekly columnist with the Washington Times. He does a radio uh, slash uh, podcast called The Rebellion out of Oklahoma, and he is a candidate for county commissioner in Oklahoma as well. We're going to hit all of those things here in a moment. Dr. Everett Piper, good morning. Good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. This wasn't on our list of topics that you and I shared with one another last night in preparation for our conversation today, but I just had to ask about it because as I read more about it this morning, the more angry I got, uh, the more irritated I got. Um, Joe Biden is just, you know, he once said, as many Democrats did, that he believes abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. The operative word there being rare. 
The movement today is uh, without apology and on demand. At any point in the gestation process, without apology, it's my right to do whatever I want and to have whatever I want inside of me removed, no matter what the consequences. Uh, and how dare you even question me? That's the new abortion mantra and joe biden has shifted right along with it and he wants women to be able to kill their babies at any particular point as long as they say they want to it's their decision it's their health care it's their body etc and now he's going to violate federal law by way of the hatch act i just wanted to get your reaction to that before we dive into our regular content you know this past week i was i shared the podium with a congressional candidate here in oklahoma the second congressional district is up for election and Josh Burkeen is an outstanding candidate. Uh, he's in a runoff right now with his competitor. And David Barton of Wall Builders and I and Josh Burkeen had an event uh, to promote Josh's candidacy. He said something that I think applies to this. Those who communicate in half-truths are always speaking in full lies. I'll say that again. Those who communicate in half-truths are always speaking in full lies. And the pro-choice agenda is a half-truth because they are trying to get you to believe that they're for choice, that all they really wanted all along was women's health, and they wanted women to have the right to choose, uh, choose what happens to their own bodies. But that's a half-truth because it's not just about the woman's body. In fact, it's about another person's body, too. It's not about choice. It's about life. So what we have in the pro-choice agenda is a half-truth that is a full lie. And the full lie is bearing itself out in culture right now. It's always been a lie. It's always been about terminating another human being. It's always been about murder. It's always been about the execution of the youngest among us. We've known that. You've known that. Everybody who understands the science of when life begins has understood that it's not about the woman's body. It's about another individual having the right to live. And that when your choice impedes my rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, your choice should be restrained by law. We've known that. They knew it, too. They've been lying to us, and now the chickens are coming home to roost. The full lie of their worldview is uh, is obvious. It's obvious in spades. Biden's doing exactly what he always intended to do and what the pro-choice advocates have always believed. This is not new. They were just lying to us before. You're, you know, you're obviously right. I'm just wondering why the, the you know, the, the, um, the new emphasis on it, I suppose. And I, I kind of feel like this is literally almost totally um, a, a pandering to a base that has abandoned him. In other words, Joe Biden was never this pro death. And, and I agree with you, by the way, they, you know, it's not about choice. And I've said this before, the opposite of life is not choice. The opposite of life is death. So if you're not pro life, you are pro death. He's never been this way before. And now, literally, there are congressional members and uh, candidates uh, and and Dem- prominent Democrats who are going on television and are being asked by interviewers on conservative and on liberal shows whether or not they support Joe Biden for re-election. And they're either saying nothing and they refuse to answer that question because they don't want to say it out loud, or they are saying it out loud and saying, no, I think we need to have younger, fresh blood in uh, in 2024. He's losing his own party. 
He has already lost the Hispanics. The, the Hispanic approval rating of Joe Biden is down in the 19, 18, 17 percent range. We are talking about never before unprecedented lows. I feel like he's trying to reach out to say, don't abandon me based. Look, I'll, I'll join the call for killing on demand and everything else that we just discussed. I feel like it's purely 100 percent political gain. Well, I, I don't know. The first thing that comes to comes to me right now is that when you lose your mind and you sell your soul, of course you're going to lose your party too. And the man has lost his mind. He's been given over to a reprobate mind long ago. If you want to read the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans, he started worshiping the created rather than the creator long ago. He started worshiping the God in the mirror rather than the God in the Bible long ago. He started sacrificing children to this this modern, postmodern God of Moloch long ago. So I, I don't think the guy has a mind left. I think he has dementia, but I also think he got rid of his soul. He sold his soul long ago to political popularity and power. So I'm not surprised. You know, I know a lot of people thought he was a moderate. He was a better choice than some of the other Democrat candidates. And if we had to live with a Democrat, well, let's go with Uncle Joe. I never believed that. I think this guy's a liar. I think he's a pathological liar. And I think he believes his own deception to the extreme, and he has for decades. So he's just putting his finger to the wind, and he's going with the political. Uh, he, somebody else is pulling the puppet strings, and I think that that is what happens to people when they sell their soul. We are talking with Dr. Everett Piper, and uh, Dr. Piper, I mentioned, and as did you, you said you appeared on a stage, a campaign stage with uh, with another, and uh, let's talk about your article from this past uh, Sunday in the Washington Times. You have been asked countless numbers of times, according to what you're writing, maybe not countless, but many, many times, why you are running for county commissioner, rather than something a little larger, something that maybe a man of your stature and a man of your repute could, uh, you know, could, could play a bigger role at the congressional level or the Senate level. And I thought it was a fascinating article and summarized so well by your Chesterson quote about uh, about local uh, local government being so much more important than you know than government from a distance, if you will. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you are where you are? Well, you know, when I was a college president, uh, every once in a while I'd catch the attention of local kingmakers who wanted me to run for senate or congress, and I'm not saying that to try to boast. It's I guess it came with my position as a conservative university president, which is kind of a dying breed, if not an extinct breed, uh, if you will. I, I was rare. I was the conservative academic, and I wasn't afraid to say so. So uh, why don't you run for Senate? Why don't you run for Congress? Why don't you run for superintendent of public instruction for Oklahoma? And I always said no, frankly, because I just don't want to. Nothing about that political arena appealed to me, the lies and the deception and the uh, the campaigning. It just was distasteful. Well, I agreed to run for county commissioner, and now everybody's saying, well, what in the world are you doing that for? That's You're overqualified. Well, as you know in my article, I'm making the argument that I, I think that's an insult to local office. I would argue that local office is a higher calling than perhaps even what other people call higher office. Uh, local control and local responsibility are the cornerstones are the cornerstones of our constitutional republic. George Washington cited Micah 4.4, the Old Testament prophet Micah, chapter 4, verse 4. He cited that verse over 50 times in his correspondence with the uh, with his peers, the other founding fathers, the framers of our of our constitutional republic. Well, what does Micah 4.4 say? Every man shall sit under his own vine and his own fig tree and shall not be afraid. It's kind of a weird and obscure verse. And why was it so important to George Washington? 
because he recognized it's your vine, it's your fig tree, it's your ranch, it's your farm, it's your driveway, it's your house, it's your money, it's your family, it's your church. And when you can sit under your own vine and own fig tree, because our Constitution guarantees your private property, your life, your liberty, and your ability to pursue happiness, purpose, purpose within the context of your personal freedoms. When you recognize that it's yours and not someone else's, when it's a covenantal relationship, a handshake, a man's word, that's the ultimate covenant, as opposed to a hierarchical government structure, top-down, where the elites are telling you what to do and trying to take your personal private property away from you. When you recognize that it's yours, you shall not be afraid. So it's important that you elect local officials that honor that. And COVID proved that to us in spades because these little despots known as city mayors that presumed upon themselves to control your life, tell you when you could go to church and when you couldn't, whether or not you could open your restaurant, um, if you could jog in the park and what you had to wear on your face if you did so, and that you actually had to have this thing injected into your body or you weren't going to be given uh, your civil rights back. Little town mayors were, were making those decisions. City councils were making those decisions. And county commissioners were making those decisions. So that's why I'm running for county commissioner, because it matters. And G.K. Chesterton said, representative government can never be remote, meaning if you want to be in a representative government, a constitutional republic, you've got to have local representation and local control. You can't you can't give it away to people in Washington, D.C. You've got to grab it and hang on to it for yourself because it's your vine and your fig tree, your ranch and your home. I'm going to use all of what you just said as we continue to promote an organization that I represent called Citizens for Free Speech because it is all about local activism, local reach, local control. They, people think you have to go to Washington to solve all the problems of the world. No, you can solve the problems in your own community or you can advance the right causes in your own community much more easily. And when you do that, and everyone does that, you solve the uh, the problems of the nation as well. So that local uh, uh, importance that you, that you underscored in that article is simply brilliant. Very, very well done. We're going to take a quick time out here, Dr. Piper. It's 1019. We'll come right back. We're going to talk about another race. You're, you're talking uh, about supporting the education secretary for another position in your state and it's something that affects all of us not just Oklahoma for those who are wondering why we're talking about right, continuing now with uh, Dr. Everett Piper our favorite uh, Thursday commentator and Dr. Piper, you uh, tweeted something, and you shared it with me yesterday about Ryan Walters, the uh, Secretary of Education in the state of Oklahoma, and you're supporting him for Superintendent of Public Instruction. And as I said to our listeners here in Ohio, what what do we care about Oklahoma? I hope everybody follows the lead of people like Secretary Ryan Walters, uh, because he... Uh, is is trying very very hard to uh, protect children um, in 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 public schools in Tulsa where he is, uh, and I think it is a model that we can all follow. Can you tell us more about that? Well, in Oklahoma, the highest education position is the superintendent of public instruction. This is the person that's in charge of all public education in the state of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. or oversees it, establishes curriculum, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, we have a terrible liberal. Her name is Joy Hoffmeister. She pretended to be a Republican to get elected, and now she's actually decided to be honest for the first time in a long time. She declared herself to be a Democrat, and she's running for governor. 
Uh, Lord help us if we elect that woman as our governor. It'd be worse than Gretchen Whitmer up in Michigan. Um, that aside, Ryan Walters is running to replace her. He's running for superintendent of public instruction. Now, this is a back to the context of, a, of before the break. This is a position that I was asked to run for. And I thought about it because somebody needed to step into this mess and and stop this grooming of our children, the LGBTQIA stuff, the critical theory nonsense. Somebody needed to confront what was going on in our public schools. So I thought if nobody else will do it, maybe I should. Well, I knew Ryan Walters was going to was thinking of running. So I actually scheduled a luncheon with him at the Copan truck stop where I was in my uh, dirty ranch clothes and a ball cap. And I looked him in the eye and I said, are you going to confront critical theory? Are you going to confront the grooming of our children? Are you going to call out the pornography that's actually in the curriculum of our public schools? Books like Gender Queer and Flamer, these types of things. And he looked me in the eye and he said, I will do so. And I trusted him. And I said, then I'll support you. But if you're not telling me the truth, I'm going to make your life miserable, as miserable as I possibly can. In whatever platform I have, I'll speak out against you. Well, the guy has honored his word. As you know, he was on Fox and Friends because he actually has called out Tulsa Public Schools for including in their library Genderqueer and Flamer, two books that are blatantly pornographic to the extent that when Ryan Walters posted pictures from these books on Facebook, Facebook uh, censored him and told him that the pictures had to be taken down because they violated Facebook's policies. So here's the irony. Facebook has higher standards than Tulsa Public Schools. Facebook recognizes that this is blatant porn and won't even allow Ryan Walters to post it there. And his 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 tactic worked. He exposed the incredible um, graphic nature of what Tulsa Public Schools feels is is appropriate material for diverse dialogue within the public school system for sixth graders. So I applaud Ryan Walters, and we need to get behind him and support him, and this is a model for every other state. This is important. It's very important that all of you in Ohio, all of you in Michigan, all of you in Indiana, everyone listening right now, they need to understand that education matters, and if you don't get your local act together in your local schools, our culture is lost. Yeah, I, I completely concur. Obviously, we can't do anything to support Mr. Walters from here in Ohio, but I wanted to hear that story. I wanted to talk about the bravery, the courage that it takes to stand up to uh, you know, this grooming and, and so many of these other things that are going to lead to cancellation. It is astounding that he posted the pictures that have been deemed okay for kids in the actual school library, but is not okay. It's, it's inappropriate. It's offensive to put on Facebook. Let your kids read that privately, but don't let anybody see what they're reading uh, publicly. It's 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 astounding. Now, to that, uh, Dr. Piper, let me follow up with this one. Oklahoma public schools require student athletes now to sign biological sex affidavits. This is a new uh, step, I guess, or maybe a new tool in this fight to allow women to remain women, to allow girls to remain girls and compete against one another when it comes to competitions without having to compete against males, to share private spaces with just women and girls in locker rooms, showers, etc., etc. Uh, this is a fight that's going on across the country, and this is a huge step for the state of Oklahoma. Can you give me more on that? Well, <laughs> why is this even controversial? I, I know, mean, right? My We're basically doing what we've always done, and that is we're asking people to check a box, male or female. We're we're, we're asking boys to stay out of girls' locker rooms. 
we're telling men that they don't belong in a woman's shower. And, oh, by the way, we're honoring Title IX because Title IX calls upon us to give women equal access to the facilities, to the sports, equal access to programs, uh, give them the same access that men have. How can you honor Title IX if women don't even exist any longer, if they're not a biological fact? So that's all this is. That Oklahoma has the Save Women's Sports Act. It's a law that Governor Stitt signed, and now you're required in the state of Oklahoma to check a box and to say whether you're a male or you're a female before you participate in interscholastic sports. Oh, my land, what a terrible idea. Oh, the left is losing their mind. This is totalitarianism. This is white supremacy. This is awful. This is anti-this and anti-that. You know what it is, Bob? It's not anti-anything. It's pro-woman. That's what it is. It's pro-female. This is classical feminism because we actually believe in the feminine. We believe in the female, and we think that she should be honored and that her dignity and her identity shouldn't be stolen by a dysphoric male that's playing dress-up and make-believe. Now, this is going to be a silly-sounding question, but okay, so they have to check a box. What if a biological male who is doing the dress-up thing checks I'm a female? Well, they have to... It has to be signed um, by the um, guardian, by the parent, and it ha- there's, it's an affidavit that says and has to be notarized that this is the sex of the individual as assigned at birth. So, again, I hate this language, this gymnastics that I we're know. going through yeah. trying to define male and female, but it has to be a notarized affidavit that this is the way you were born. Yeah, and you know it's important, obviously. And and once you sign that affidavit, I'm assuming then they can't change during the time that they're in school. If you sign in that, that that affidavit affidavit as a as an incoming freshman to high school, and you check that box, and then I don't know, 13 happens, and the trend is getting po- more popular, and everybody's changing pronouns, and yeah, I'm a girl now. Can they go ahead and erase it and check check the other box? I hope not. No, it has to be the sex assigned at birth. So you can't just uh, go with the flow and do what's politically popular. They actually want to honor science. They want to actually honor the biological fact of the female. And the fact that you and I have to spend valuable radio discussion time talking about something that should be so simple and direct and obvious, uh, it, it, it really kind of speaks to the danger we're in. The fact that we have to go through this, that Oklahoma had to find this and declare this you know, a- affidavit and so forth, is really just, uh, uh, you know, it speaks to the, to the trouble that we are in. Uh, this is so obvious and so simple, it should not require this many, as you say, verbal or mental gymnastics to get to nature and biology. Dr. Everett Piper, always appreciate the opportunity to tap into your wisdom. Uh, thank you so much. By the way, when is the Oklahoma election for the uh, 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 commissioner's office you are running? August 23rd is the runoff. August 23rd. So we're a couple of weeks away. We will say prayers for you and your success there, Dr. Piper, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Bless you. Thank you, sir. 1031 News Time. Come back. Guest free the rest of the way, so you've got uh, about an hour and 20 minutes to hit me up at 216-901-0945 at 888-281-1110 on Always Right Radio.
giving you reason in the age of unreason. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Onward we roll at 1039, Always Right Radio. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420 The Answer. Don't forget to check the webpage, alwaysright.us. The latest news and stories are there, as is the sound off button in which you can record your thoughts for the program, uh, questions, and then uh, just send it to me. Just, it's so easy. It's, it's, uh, I mean, a chimp could do this. Just uh, go ahead and push a couple of buttons, record it, push send, and you are good to go. Uh, and I welcome your thoughts, whether they be questions or comments or whatever it is. We'll play them and uh, respond to them right here on the air, kind of like this. Okay, that's not kind of like that. Oh, you know what? There's something called a mute button here. That's, if When it's pushed, it silences things. I probably should not have pushed that button. So let me unpush that button, and then we can hear this message from Kelly and Berea. Wow, so great to hear Jack Barsky on your radio show today. I just completed listening to his podcast, The Agent, and it was awesome. I recommend it to everyone. Jack Barsky, Thanks, thank you, Kelly, for that uh, for that message. Jack Barsky uh, is an ex-KGB agent. If you missed that interview yesterday, it's up right now. The full interview is on alwayswrite.us.com, or excuse me, no, no dot com, just alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. But um, it is it it not only is it just fascinating to look and listen and you know to the uh, the stories of an ex-KGB spy who was working for the Soviets here in the United States for ten years, spying on the Amer- the United States of America. Uh, to benefit the uh, the communists uh, and and to have him have a complete 180 in his life and his ideology and his belief in freedom and so forth. Uh, now living as a conservative libertarian here in the United States and is proud of the uh, of this country. Uh, it, it's fascinating on that face, but uh, but the 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 other part of that that I really appreciated the opportunity to explore is. What is the state of espionage within the United States today when it comes to Vladimir Putin's Russia? It's not the Soviet Union Union anymore, but Putin himself is ex-KGB. What kind of espionage activities are going on here that are, you know, resemble to what, what he used to do? Uh, number one, and number two, how much has that changed because of the advent of digital espionage? hacking into American servers, seeing essentially everything, uh, you know, that is going on both in the government and in the private lives of the people. And then moreover, I asked him, and you'll hear this in the interview, about the threat of China. Communist China is probably a bigger threat, I think anyway, and it's one of the reasons I asked him for his thoughts on it, than Putin's Russia in terms of their ability to infiltrate the United States and help tear us apart from within. And I know that sounds kind of bizarre, and it shouldn't, but but it literally is what it's all about. We talked about the Confucius Institutes after that, uh, about how the Chinese are indeed winning that espionage war and that indoctrination war, that infiltration and tearing apart a war from the inside. And that leads me to this. And I'm so glad that I got that phone call, or yeah, for, uh, that phone call, because I want to share the story of uh, Senators Tom Cotton and Tommy Tuberville combining. This is fortuitous, coincidental timing. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But uh, that conversation with Jack Barsky happened yesterday, as did this story breaking that Senators Cotton and Tuberville have introduced a bill with the aim of preventing Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party to be precise from purchasing any land in the United States. The bill is called Securing America's Land from Foreign Interference Act. 
and it comes months after a similar bill was introduced into Congress on May 27th by Representative Dan Newhouse, entitled Prohibition of Agricultural Land for the People's Republic of China Act. This bill is in part a response to a report issued by the U.S. Department of Agriculture in 2020, so it's two years, indicating that foreign persons held an interest in nearly 37.6 million acres of U.S. agricultural land. They note in their announcement that approximately 14 states have some level of foreign ownership restriction, yet there is no federal restriction on the amount of U.S. Uh, private U.S. agricultural land that can be owned. And Chinese entities, communist Chinese entities, have, uh, have acquired immense uh, amounts of American soil and are poised to continue doing so unless an act putting a limitation and a restriction on this is passed. Millions of acres in U.S. farmland are expected to change hands in the next decade. What do you think they're trying to do? This, I mean, quite literally... Our country is, we always say it's run on oil, it's the lifeblood of the country, and it's true, but, but it is American agriculture that allows this country to survive. And whenever there is a disruption in any way in the path from farm to transport to a grocery store or farmer's market or whatever or to your table, any disruption whatsoever will be catastrophic for the U.S. economy. And quite literally, it could be the, the, the start on a road to, you know, essentially the U.S. starving to death. Whereas in 2010, China had invested in 13,720 acres of U.S. land. By the end of 2020, that number had written to, uh, risen to 194,179 acres, leaving China with a total of 352,140 acres of American soil. Chinese investments in American farmland put our food security at risk, said Tom Cotton. Furthermore, these investments provide opportunities for Chinese espionage against our military bases and critical infrastructure. Sound familiar? This is what Jack Barsky and I talked about yesterday. And it's why I included the Chinese as a part of the conversation, and not just the Russians, and not just the old KGB guard, but literally the Chinese, that Chinese espionage is, is going to be one of the central focuses or points of Chinese land acquisition here in the United States. I mean, you don't think we're kidding about these things, do you? I hope you're boning up on your Mandarin. If we don't pass bills like the Cotton Tuberville uh, bill, Tuberville bill here, if we don't pass these and limit the impact, I mean, listen, the Chinese have already infiltrated American universities with the Confucius Institutes, which are, are branded with a facade of just a, a salute to Chinese culture. It's studying Chinese culture. What's wrong with that? But what it really is is Chinese propaganda filling the ears of students and the, bra- and the brains and the minds all over this country with Chinese propaganda, anti-American, pro-Chinese, pro-communist propaganda. That's happening at the university level. Meanwhile, they're acquiring just vast swaths of American land that could put us into a food security shortage situation. 
as Tom Cotton just said. Meanwhile, Chinese espionage in the United States is growing by leaps and bounds as they continue to pour in and occupy their lands. I mean, I hope we're not blinded by all of the division here in the United States among conservatives and leftists and, you know, abortion versus uh, pro-life and, and, you know, border security versus uh, open borders and, and all the other things that we're dealing with. Masks and no masks, COVID shots and no shots. I hope that all of the divisions here don't just occupy our time so much that we completely, you know, turn a blind eye toward the threat from out from outside that is on its way inside. The Communist Chinese Party is not our friend. They mean to do terrible, terrible things to us. Communism has never, in the in, in the history of history, communism communism has never been satisfied or 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 willing to settle for what they've got. This is where we are. We have our communist control of this country. We subjugate the people. We oppress them. We give them the scraps that they need to survive, and in some cases, we don't. As long as it continues to. Uh, uh, um, Allow us to remain in power, so we're happy where we are. That has never been communism. Communism is always looking for the next frontier to conquer. And communist leaders are looking for more people to put under their thumb, and they're looking for more gain and more advantage and more expanding of their own power. That's what communism does. It has always yearned for more. And that's exactly why do you think the Soviet Union was formed. And we can go back much further than that, to be honest. But communism and socialism and Marxism, they don't settle for where we are. We're good. No. And make no mistake about it, this is coming to the United States. They're here in our universities. They're here owning our land. They're here disrupting our agriculture and thus our food supply. Besides farmland, Chinese entities also bought $6.1 billion in U.S. real estate in 2022, according to the National Association of Realtors, and constituted 6% of all foreign buyers. Tommy Tuberville emphasized the strategic importance of keeping out the CCP. Quote, we cannot continue giving our top adversary a foot in the door to purchase land in the United States and undermine our national security. End quote. He's, of course, Spot on. But how many people are talking about that threat? Everybody's talking about the fights within. And look, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. If you are really, truly paying attention, you will understand this is precisely what the American left is counting on. It's why they continue to play identity politics and identity issues and advancing identity social justice causes to create division and distract us from essentially what would be a globalist takeover. The Chinese Communist Party runs the WHO. The Chinese Communist Party, for all intents and purposes, drives policy at the United Nations. There is a massive globalist effort underway and and the biggest foe the biggest you know obstacle to globalist to globalism and one world government is the united states western nations particularly the united states that continue to cling to nationalism and capitalism 
They're the biggest thorn in the side. They've got to be taken down. And yes, there are leftists in this country who are American citizens who are more than willing to sell out this country to the Chinese Communist Party as a part of that globalist movement. I hope people understand that. The relationship between Beijing and Washington is particularly adversarial at the moment, underlining the potential security risk of the possession of American land by the Chinese communists. The CCP has recently targeted the U.S. with a great deal more violent rhetoric than usual, largely because of Pelosi's trip to Taiwan. Chinese Communist Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian said, If Pelosi visit, insists on visiting Taiwan, China will take resolute and strong measures to defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity. Uh, going on to say, and we've t- covered this, those who play with fire will perish by it. We are prepared for any eventuality, and the PLA will never sit idly by. In June, Beijing accused the U.S. of employing a Cold War mentality. And in early July of 2022, 20, uh, so last month, Zhao accused America of being the biggest threat to world peace, stability, and development. I mean, literally, this is the projection that we talk about. This is projection. They want to be a global force, and the biggest obstacle to them becoming that global force is the United States of America. So what do they have to do? They have to generate enmity and anger and resentment toward the United States in the rest of the world by declaring the U.S. to be the threat, to be the U- to the U.S. being uh, the the uh, uh, you know the obstacle to world peace. China has strict land laws, by the way. They have very, very strict land use laws. But the United States doesn't. We have very lax laws. And we have let China exploit those. Buying U.S. agricultural, industrial, and commercial land for years and years and years. Which is why we have to prohibit that. And we have to end Chinese influence. We have to boot the Confucius Institutes out of the, of the universities. And the, the, the Cotton and Tuberville Act here has to pass. There has to be a limit on how much land the communist Chinese can buy here in the United States, lest we all end up uh, in, in the most dire of circumstances, which is exactly, and I'll say it again, I'm not beating around the bush, what many on the American left want. That's important information. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Always right radio right back. Okay, a little bit of breaking news here at ten fifty seven. If you have been waiting for the announcement, I I, I didn't even tease this this morning because I knew it wasn't going to be have anything to do with twenty twenty four. Ron DeSantis is running for governor, <clears throat> re-election as governor of the state of uh, Florida. He wasn't going to announce that he was running for president, but everybody said, ooh, DeSantis teases, and this was all over the place, DeSantis teases, big announcement uh, uh, today. And everybody's been pondering, is he going to run for president? Well, I knew that wasn't going to be an issue, which is why, at least not now, which is why I didn't even talk about this. But the big announcement has been revealed now. Um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's announcement is that he has suspended his state attorney general. Um, for not uh, for not enforcing the state's abortion ban in the wake of Roe versus Wade being overturned, the state of Florida has an abortion ban that can now not be undone or stopped by the federal uh, government and uh, uh, the Roe versus Wade. So the attorney general is supposed to then enforce that abortion ban. In other words, that means prosecute people as well who violate it, and he refuses to do so. 
So Ron DeSantis has announced that Andrew Warren, for refusing to enforce numerous Florida laws and would not work with police and now will not uh, enforce this abortion ban, has been suspended. So State Attorney Andrew Warren, uh, let's see, DeSantis made the announcement during a press conference this morning uh, on social media. He argued that Warren has repeatedly refused to enforce laws passed by the legislature cracking down on the child sex change surgeries and abortion restrictions. We are suspending, so, so I'm sorry, I beg your pardon, he's not the attorney general, he's a state attorney. We are suspending the Soros-backed 13th Circuit State Attorney Andrew Warren for neglecting his duties as he pledges not to uphold the laws of this state, DeSantis' office said in the statement. The 13th Circuit falls over Florida's Hillsborough County. The Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor, not in state attorneys. We are not going to allow this pathogen of ignoring the law get a foothold in the state of Florida. Officials said Warren has repeatedly tried to install himself as an adjudicator of what laws will and will not be enforced. DeSantis' office had teased a big Thursday announcement, uh, saying it would not be political or related to endorsements. This isn't about abortion or any one thing. It's about having accountability to our system of law and order to prosecute crime. So once again, another home run, in my view, by Attorney General, or excuse me, by uh, Florida Governor, rather, Ron DeSantis. Exactly what needed to happen. We'll talk more after the news on Always Right Radio. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay, there is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward hour number three now, nine minutes past 11 o'clock on a Thursday. Fourth morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Phone lines are open at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. You may want to hold off calling for a moment because I want to play something for you that I would really love your reaction to. Uh, last hour, or actually last segment or so, um, I was talking about the threat of communist China. It was all in response to somebody who commented on the uh, website on uh, alwayswrite.us about uh, the Jack Barsky interview yesterday, former KGB spy. We got into talking about spying on the United States by the Russians. And now, now modern, what is more of a threat is the spying on the United States and the propaganda influence on the United States by communist China. And uh, <clears throat> I discussed, and, and, and I was trying to make some points that I really hope made sense to you and, and were, were able to sink in a little bit that the American left is hoping that the division and the distraction of uh, domestic issues here will kind of keep us uh, unaware, 
if you will, of the threats that are that are coming, you know, to the United States from abroad. That in the the globalist movement that is underway, um, we have to be taken apart, and the best way to take us apart is to allow the infiltration of 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 enemies of America, global com, or excuse me, Chinese communists are indeed. That is not to say Chinese people, not not in, indeed in any way, shape, or form to be speaking of Chinese people or Asians uh, more broadly, but the Chinese Communist Party buying all of this land, influencing our students with the Chinese, the Confucius Institutes, and so forth. Um, the best way to take us apart is to have them infiltrate, change, and and develop a, a true hatred for America among its younger citizens, um, and to continue to divide and distract us to the point where we do indeed uh, crumble from within. And 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 one example of that, I think, is is something I want to share with you right now. This was um, this was an MSNBC moment. You can imagine what what these are going to be like. It, it doesn't have anything to do with Nicole Wallace this time. It doesn't have anything to do with um, Reverend Al. It doesn't have anything to do with any of the other nuts that we normally target with, uh, you know, incredulity with some of the things that they say. This time it's uh, someone named Zerlina Maxwell. She has got to be, I mean, I don't know, just one of the nobodies of the network, I suppose, because I never really knew her name. Maybe I heard her once or twice before, but she was on and doing a segment with um, something named Kurt Bardella, a DNC advisor. That's who he is, DNC advisor, Kurt Bardella. I wasn't sure of his title. And the two of them were discussing the biggest concerns for their party going into the midterms. And one of the biggest concerns for their party has to be the fact that Americans are suffering through, you know, 40-year high inflation. We are suffering through record high gasoline prices. It's affecting everything we do from our, from our you know, filling our cars to filling our grocery carts to buying supplies uh, that we need to auto parts to, you know, virtually anything and everything that is just a part of your life. Clothing, it's a big deal for everybody. It has been argued... And in fact, very successfully, because it's not an argument, it's a statistical fact, that the inflation is hitting the, the impoverished people of America, those in the lower middle class, or even in the uh, below the poverty line, even harder. You know, if you think it's hard for middle class people to pay hundreds of dollars or more every month for all of these goods and services and energy and so forth, imagine how much harder it is for people who are, you know, under the poverty line. Well, it is... Well known that there is a, from a proportional standpoint, there are more Americans who are African Americans, who are minorities, who are in that class than not. There are more minorities, again, proportionally, that are impacted by high prices because they are down in the lower middle class or in the impoverished class more than, uh, than, than white Americans, proportionally to their, their number of the population, to the demographics, right? Yet these two individuals, Zerlina Maxwell, who is African-American, and the uh, DNC advisor, Kurt Bardella, is Asian, um, to them, inflation is a white person's privilege. To them, inflation is a privileged concern. If your biggest concern in the, in the world today is inflation and the cost of things, well, then you must be white. Because the rest of us are concerned about things that are a lot more serious to us. It is a remarkable, remarkable display 
a full stampede of stupidity that I just listened to as I prepared for the show, and I want you to listen to it now. If I've got to suffer through their stupidity, so do you. And we'll see if we can respond to this. Inflation, it's almost a privilege to care about inflation as your number one issue. Um, The same is true of gas prices or even the idea that it's the economy stupid. I always found that analysis lacking because as a black person, I don't want to get killed on the way to my job. So I'm glad I have a job. I'm glad I make a living wage. But if I can't be alive, (laughs) then what does that other stuff matter? I mean, speak to the idea that some of this stuff is existential in the minds of the Democratic base in a way that is maybe not for the middle of the country, the so-called middle, or even more conservative-leaning voters. So before we hear from the DNC stooge that she has on as a guest, let's ponder what you just heard from this MSNBC black woman, as she described herself. So how about that? She must be a biologist. She knows she's a woman. Uh, and she's willing to call herself black and not African-American, so that's a good start. But how about what she said? How about the notion that it's a privilege to have inflation and the cost of things be your greatest concern? Let's break that part down for just one second. The cost of things would be the greatest concern for people who what? Who don't have a lot of money. When the cost of things go up and people who don't have a lot of money have to pay more for those things and they don't have the money to pay more for those things, then guess what? They don't get those things. Things like food. Things like clothing things like the cost of their shelter things like the cost of the gasoline in their tanks to get to work the people who don't have money are much much more likely to be concerned about the cost of things than people who have a lot of money who can afford inflation if you have a lot of money you can afford inflation i want you to think about the backwards logic of the modern american leftist nbc host That if you are concerned about the price of things, you must be privileged and white. Because if you're like the rest of us, us black folk, you have to worry about not being killed on the way to work. Okay, I'll play along. What exactly would it be that would be more likely to kill you on the way to work? Because I know what the inference is there. The inference is that you would be pulled over on the way to work and killed by a police officer which, of course, would be one tiny scintilla of a fraction of a percentage point of the number of African Americans who are killed every day and every week and every month and every year in this country by other African Americans at extraordinarily disproportionate rates to their percentage of the population. 13% of the population, over 40% of the homicides, 95% of which are black on black. So she says, I have to worry about not getting killed on the way to work. If you're just worried about the price of things, you must be white. Again, the reality of which is just this has got to be mind-blowing to her. The majority, proportionally, of Americans who can't afford things when prices go up are going to be minorities. But no, we have to take aim at the white privilege of white people in this country because we're on NBC and it's just part of our job. Now let's listen to the DNC hack that is her guest. Yeah, listen, if you just lost your house because of a flood in Kentucky, if you just lost your livelihood 
because it burnt down in a wildfire, if you just lost your life because you are the wrong color and you were pulled over somewhere. There it is. She set it up and he knocked it down, boy. And how about the fact that he literally just declared that losing your house in a flood or losing your home in a wildfire must be white privilege too, right? Or, or is he saying that it must be something that afflicts the minority community? Do you know how many people lost their lives and lost their homes in the Kentucky floods? I don't. Do you know how many are black or white? I don't. Do you know how much of that I care? Zero. I care about human beings losing their lives. I care about human beings losing their livelihoods. I care about losing, uh, human beings losing their, their, their property to a flood or to a fire. Only the American left must ascribe race to it. And then to drop in the uh, uh, being killed by police officers in a traffic stop. Because you are the wrong color and you were pulled over somewhere. I mean, it, 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 it almost makes one speechless. The dishonesty and the duplicity that they will practice to try to score points, even while sounding so cataclysmically stupid in the process. The dishonesty is only challenged here by the ignorance. And I've said this before, I don't know which is worse. Dishonesty and deceptiveness or complete and total stupidity and incompetence. And they're literally scoring off the charts on both of them in this conversation. But this is what they're doing. They're dividing the country. It is their mission. It is their goal. Blame white people And now, this DNC hack blaming cops for something that is absolutely, statistically, a tiny scintilla of people. Uh, Inflation doesn't really matter to you or or, or to your loved ones. Uh, There are much broader things going on right now in this country that affect so many demographics that the dollars to cents case that, that has been made time and again about, you know, like you said, it's the economy stupid. Uh, there, there's a blind spot there. And you'll notice that the majority of people who make that statement are, are, are generally white. And there it is. Did you notice that the people who generally complain about the dollars and cents are white? I'd like to know in what world these two lunatics live. I'd like to know in what world they are not hearing the statistical breakdown of those most harmed by high inflation. Minorities. On another day, with another host on the very same network, you will hear African Americans on there complaining about the cost of things being so high and not affecting white people, but affecting people who are of color because they have less proportionally. But now these two idiots are going to go on there and say, well, the cost of inflation really only affects white people. I thought white people had the privilege. I thought white people were well off. They don't care about the cost of things because they can afford things. It's the people who are at the bottom end of the socioeconomic scale that have the most to lose here. They can't even keep their lies straight. They can't. Um, I, I, there, there's, there, there's a real reckoning going on in America right now, and we're seeing multiple things converge from the threat to climate change that's upending people's lives and homes to... Climate change is upending people's lives and homes more than the inability to fill a grocery cart. According to the DNC and the host on MSDNC, 
And again, their names were uh, 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 Zer- Zer- Zerlinka, no, Zerlina Maxwell is the host. She's the black woman. And Kurt Bardella, he is the Asian DNC advisor, telling us that white people are the ones to, who worry about things. White privileged people are the only ones who worry about the cost of things, while everybody else is worried about things that are much more important to them, like not getting shot by police and climate change. Climate change matters more than being able to feed your family because the prices of Biden inflation are too high. Okay. To the struggle with social justice. Social justice is far, far, far more impactful on the daily, in the daily lives of minorities than the inability to fill their grocery cart and find baby formula. Social justice, climate change, and not being killed by cops. Go on. What else? To still the ongoing struggle with a pandemic. Uh, pandemic is obviously clearly only affecting minorities. It's not affecting white people. If, you're, if your biggest concern is prices and inflation and gas costs, you clearly have white privilege because the pandemic has bypassed you. It has just swooped right down and descended only on the impoverished black communities or minority communities. You know, impoverished black people like Joe Biden, who is COVID positive again. Uh, not, not to mention, again, what Republicans have done, just advancing an entire war against women. A war against women. Republicans have advanced a war against women. And, and, and if you're worried about the cost of food and feeding your children rather than the war against women, then you must be privileged. The war against women, you know, the war that, that includes saving countless numbers of female lives that are gestating and growing inside their mothers. Uh, yeah, th- those are things that I think cut much more personally and directly than the overarching issue of inflation, because like you said, it's almost a luxury to even have to think about that when these other things are threatening your everyday life or the lives of your kids. I mean, we, we live in a country right now. <laughs> It's a luxury to worry about $5 a gallon gas and 25% higher groceries and uh, clothing and everything else that you need. It's a luxury to have to worry about those things uh, when you're trying to worry about your kids because your kids don't eat and don't wear, wear these clothes, right? This is, this, is, this is impossible. And by the way, I'm almost done. I love every second of this. Because if this is their strategy and their message to their left-wing base that are watching MSDNC, if the strategy here is to say inflation isn't the real issue, the real issue is social justice, the real issue is climate change, the real issue is, is social, uh, or not being shot by cops, the real issue is, is the coronavirus, if you go into the midterm elections telling your voters that is what should drive you, and the rest of us are telling ourselves and recognizing the real issue is the ability to survive in America under Bidenomics and Bidenflation, then I will take my chances on November 8th uh, and be very, very confident about what is to come. Kids, I mean, we, we live in a country right now where if you send your kid off to school, you don't know that that child's going to come home safely because Republicans are in the back pocket of gun manufacturers and the NRA. Those are the things that I think matter just as much, at least, as inflation. Oh, you can't feed your kids. You can't feed your kids because of inflation, but the bigger threat is that they might be shot in school. You can't write the scripts for these people to make it any easy for us for us to roll to massive legislative wins or in the legislative races, rather, in the midterms. You can't write a better script. 
216. Now, here's a question for you, too, as we roll on, as we get toward our news here. Uh, here's a real question for you. Do you know anybody in your family who thinks this way? And can you speak to them about it? If I was in the room with Zerlinka and uh, uh, what's the other clown's name again? Uh, Kurt, if I was in the room with them, I don't know that I could possibly have not just uh, spit soup in their faces laughing so hard at their incredible uh, combination of dishonesty and stupidity. I would have just been laughing so hard, and it would have been very rude, and they probably would have left the room. How do you deal with these people in your existence? We'll be back. Sunset strip is something everyone should see. Neon lights and the pretty, pretty girls all dressed. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always right radio with Bob France on the answer. So I got a text message from a friend uh, during the last break. <sighs> That said, I don't know how you don't swear on the radio. <laughs> and I said, it's so hard. You have no idea. It is so very hard uh, to do, to hold back from just letting things fly when the, you know, when the most um, <clears throat> ridiculous, dangerous, dishonest things uh, continue to be, you know, to be uh, put put out there like the uh, video, the, the audio that I just played for you. I mean, it is, it's very hard not to just go off and just lose it. Um, but I guess after 25 years in this business, I've found a way to keep the uh, G rating, or at least the PG rating, um, so that we don't get get ourselves in trouble. But, yeah, it is very, uh, very frustrating. It's very... I- Excuse me, aggravating. It's uh, it's very difficult to to listen sometimes. This is easier to listen to. I told you in the uh, top of the last hour that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had taken a, a strong action today. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has suspended his George Soros-backed state attorney in the 13th district in uh, or 13th circuit rather in Florida for refusing to enforce the law, like so many left-wing district attorneys, and in some cases attorneys general, uh, who were backed and funded and supported by George Soros, uh, who are, who is trying to. He wrote an op-ed. I don't know if you saw that. He wrote an op-ed that actually ran in, I believe, the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago, did George Soros, defending his support of left-wing district attorneys who are not locking people up for committing very egregious crimes saying that the criminal justice system must be one of equity and it must be one of equality and blah, blah, blah. And if there's too many people of one color in prisons, then we have to stop that. Regardless of the fact of who is committing the vast majority of those violent crimes, it doesn't matter. Equity must reign. So George Soros is defending his support of people like uh, uh, State Attorney Andrew Warren in Florida. Ron DeSantis, not so much. He has suspended him, and this is something that I'm actually pleased to play for. That has undermined public safety. It has really hurt these communities uh, and has been devastating to the rule of law. So as I saw that happening across the country earlier this year, I asked my staff in my office to look around the state of Florida and to make sure that that was not going to happen here, where you would have individual prosecutors nullify laws that were enacted by the people's representatives. They spoke with law enforcement throughout the state. They spoke with line prosecutors throughout the state. uh, And it all came back to this area here in the 13th Judicial Circuit in Hillsborough County. And the uh, 
response that we got was a lot of frustration on the part of law enforcement for criminals being let go and crimes not being prosecuted. Uh, and so we looked into it and we, we compiled a, a lot of the record. And I can tell you it's been a very, very troubling record. So uh, the prosecutor, state attorney for this judicial circuit, uh, Andrew Warren, has put himself publicly above the law. In June of 2021, he signed a letter saying that he would not enforce any prohibitions on sex change operations for minors. And that's a debate that we're having mostly administratively and through medical licensing in Florida, but other states have enacted penalties on the people that would perform those, which are really disfiguring these young kids. And he said, it doesn't matter what the legislature does in the state of Florida, uh, he's gonna exercise a veto over that. He's also instituted policies of, quote, presumptive non-enforcement. And this involves an array of different things, and you'll probably hear Sheriff Chronister and some of the other law enforcement officers talk about it, uh, but that is not consistent with the role of a prosecutor. Yes, you can exercise discretion in an individual case, but that discretion has to be individualized and case-specific. You can't just say you're not going to do uh, certain offenses. And then most recently, after the Dobbs decision was rendered by the U.S. Supreme Court, he signed a letter saying he would not enforce any laws relating to protecting the right to life in the state of Florida. And mind you, we have had prohibition on third trimester abortions for a long time. We've had prohibitions on partial birth abortions for a long time. And then most recently, the legislature enacted and I signed protections for unborn babies at three and a half months. And when they are aborted, it's typically done through a dismemberment procedure, which is really inhumane. Nevertheless, that is what the legislature has enacted, and it's not for him to put himself above that and say that he is not going to enforce the laws. Do you know how large what you're listening to right now really is <clears throat> and how impactful it should be and how angry I am that I have Mike DeWine and they have Ron DeSantis? I mean, this is exactly how it is supposed to be done. The law is the law. It was passed, these laws were passed by the people's representatives, the legislature, the Florida State Legislature, passed these laws about disfiguring children, ordering uh, a medical mutilation procedures of confused kids, about uh, uh, abortion at, at, at you know stages of gestation where it is absolutely inhumane and it is dismemberment and, and causing all kinds of extreme pain in a, in, a, in a child with a central nervous system that feels pain, but just because you can't hear the scream, you think it doesn't exist. I mean, the fact that he is coming out and saying that anybody who is going to refuse to enforce the laws cannot be in their positions is enormous. This is so impactful. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, you know what else it sounds like to me? It sounds so presidential. We don't elect people in one part of the state to have veto power over what the entire state decides on these important issues. The Constitution of Florida has vested the veto power in the governor, not in individual state attorneys. And so when you flagrantly violate your oath of office, when you make yourself above the law, uh, you have violated your duty. Uh, you have neglected your duty, and you are displaying a lack of competence uh, to be able to reform those duties. And so today, we are suspending State Attorney Andrew Warren, effective immediately.
Just so you know, this is in front of an audience of law enforcement professionals, police officers, sheriffs, deputies, and so on and so forth. They are tired of arresting people for committing terrible violent crimes and having them let go because the uh, the prosecuting attorney there doesn't believe in the law and doesn't believe in holding people accountable and protecting the public. They're tired of them being turned around. <laughs> We are not going to allow this uh, pathogen that's been around the country of ignoring the law. We are not going to let that get a foothold here in the state of Florida. We are going to make sure that our laws are enforced uh, and that no individual prosecutor puts himself above the law. Governors across the country need to follow his lead and get rid of these prosecutors that put the public in danger because of their own ideology. Thanks to Dr. Everett Piper for joining us today. Thanks to our crew, uh, Johnny and Marianne and Marcy, and thanks to you for listening. Let's say this together. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.